This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey guys, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. Hey guys, super excited to be back this week. Yep, it's good to be with you here mm-hmm. in my home studio today, Yeah, this Tyler. studio is super fun. Yeah, it's, it's nice. nice. It's a little unique to uh, the other studio where we normally record at, the church. So yep, it's a little different. It's nice. It's got a different vibe. You More got, books. Yeah, lots of books. Yeah, Lots nice. of books. It's very yeah. nice. <laughs> it is, yeah. So Sweet. anyway, hey, we're glad you joined us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Uh, so for today, we have a very special guest with us, my friend AJ Enfield, who is with the Inkle Do podcast. Uh, and they're not just a podcast, they're more than that, but I'm going to let them talk to you, uh, let AJ talk to you about that. But he's here today to talk through kind of what they do with their show, what they're doing in other spheres of influence, especially with coffee, uh, but also just uh, on the importance of spiritual friendships. So this is going to be a fun show. And AJ, we yeah. are grateful that you've joined us today, man. Thanks for being here. Hey, it's absolutely my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of all of the things that Inkledoo is about. You know, we are really big on this idea of uh, meaningful conversations around delicious beverages. Mm, amen. So, <laughs> amen. That's great. They just help. They really <laughs> yeah. do. Like just, you know, when, when someone says something and you need that second to calm down, being mm. able to pick up your like mug of coffee and be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. All right, take take that little breather. Get ready to go. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately, my partner Brandon isn't able to be here. He and I are cousins, and so that's kind of where we got started. But he is our coffee roaster, and okay. like that, he's been doing for years. Um, I am more of a coffee drinker. Okay, uh, like the technical side of the the pour and that kind of stuff, because we uh, pre COVID. We were able to do uh, a pop-up shop uh, where uh, a brewery out in the West Valley was willing to let us set up in the morning before they open up and sell coffee and everything using kind of their uh, dining area. And so got really good at the the classic pour over, measuring out the time to make sure you're pulling the flavors out right, getting the right (laughs) temperature and all that. So I, I'm growing in my technical knowledge, but mostly I'm just a coffee drinker. Yeah, oh, that's, that's all great. right. Hey, man, there's nothing wrong with being a coffee drinker, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what's your go-to drink right now? What's your go-to coffee um, drink? Honestly, I like a good black cup of coffee. Yes. Uh, there you go. I know it's... A purist. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of one of those things when I drank a lot of energy drinks okay, when I was uh, in, like, college and everything. Uh but my family has a history of like high blood pressure. Oh man! And I remember doing one of those like little armband tests one time. I was like, "Oh, okay. So this is I'm 25 years old. Good. I am perfectly healthy for a 70 year old." Uh, <laughs> uh, so I had, to, had to cut that out. Um, but when people were trying to get me to drink coffee at first, I was like, they kept putting a bunch of cream and sugar in it and all of this. And like, but I already know I like those things. Sure. Like coffee, though. Uh, I think part of the problem is for me and for a lot of people growing up uh, and, and no knocks on the big dogs here or anything, but like drinking a cup of like coffee crystals that have had water poured over them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, your, your sense of what coffee is is a lot different. Yeah. But, hey, we make, yeah. we make uh, fun of Folgers all the time. So you can say the F yes. on our show. You can say <laughs> Folgers. It's fine. I, I'm trying not to dig anyone else holes, but if, that one's already going. Then yeah, let's pile it's it already on. Happening. Yeah, 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 it's Folgers, happening. <laughs> Common. If all, all you need, if all you need is just a caffeine drip in your blood, then I mean, okay, yeah, I guess sure. I get it. But like, if there's there's no way you're convincing me you enjoy a cup of Folgers. No. That commercial, you know, the the best part of waking up, <laughs> and if that's a if that's the best part of waking up, I'm staying in bed. Like, that's, <laughs> that's <it. laughs> uh, yeah, a, a good cup of black coffee with a – so like everything we do is a medium roast. And that was one of the things mm. that uh, right. has really been a turnaround for me is I always assumed that the darker roast was like the more caffeine and mm-hmm. the more coffee. It's like, oh, no, actually when you roast it darker, you're cooking out the oils that have the caffeine. Mm-hmm. You're bittering the bean. Like – Oh, so there is actually like 
I'm still just sort of reveling in the fact for these last few years that I've found that I can drink just a cup of black coffee yeah. and really enjoy it. And there are so many different flavors that you can find in the coffee that's not added. It's just in the bean from the yep. different regions and mm, different yeah. elevations and all that stuff. Uh, and there's just something, especially on like a Saturday or Sunday morning, there's just something about like waiting for that drip coffee Mm-hmm. to come through like it just sets the right pace and speed for my day yeah forces me to take that minute you know uh i i can do a k-cup in an emergency situation but like it just <laughs> yeah right it feels wrong like sure. my whole day it's like this coffee that's supposed to be like a leisurely enjoyment thing i am now high pressure spraying water <laughs> through a plastic cup so i can get my caffeine now i think we've yeah. all done that at some point oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> You you do what you gotta do, but it is just one of those things where it's like, no, the the real experience that I love is when I can get just an individual hot cup of coffee. Yeah, th- this is well. a safe place where you can say those things, though. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, good. one of the things I like, like what you're saying is I, I do enjoy – now, again, I just – I need coffee, and so sometimes mm-hmm. it's quick, instant – not instant coffee, but fast, you know. But um, right, right. I also like the ritual of making it. Like I like the grinding the beans. I like the like a, making a French press and putting a little salt in it, or I like making a pour over. It's it's weird, but like the ritual aspect of it to me is very enjoyable too. Well, and so it is a form of craft, mm-hmm. you know. Like and so being involved in it, and you get all those extra steps, you know. Like everyone when they get a cup of coffee, you can't help it that deep breath in smelling yeah. it because again even bad coffee smells good yes like so there's that smell part of it but when you're doing the grinding when you're doing the pour over or the french press when all of these steps are happening you're building your anticipation you're getting those little foretastes of what you know is coming yep and it just makes that first sip so much sweeter when it actually gets there <laughs> it does and i think um one of the things too you're talking about is like you think it's crazy you just enjoy a black cup of coffee. But the truth of it is you can't just enjoy any black cup of coffee. It has to be a good cup or that's it's accurate. not enjoyable. <laughs> that, that's real true. Yeah. That's real true. Uh, there have been a few road trips where I like, you know, driving through the night and I get to a gas station and I got to go in and grab one of theirs. There's probably going to be some cream or sugar going into oh, yeah. the <laughs> gas station coffee. Like I'm not, I'm not that committed to the purest no. uh, take coffee where i'm gonna drink swill and no. just like force myself <laughs> to pretend yeah that's survival at that point that's not exactly. a, that's not oh, connoisseur yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no but i agree with you like uh because uh and i talked about this i was on i was on ankle do podcast we recorded that last week but we talked about this on there but brandon sent me a bag of your guys's roasted coffee and bro like it's brazilian and again, I'm uh-huh. thankful that you do medium roast because I light doesn't taste good enough to me, and I know it has a yeah. ton of caffeine, but dark less caffeine, and it, I don't like the burnt bitter taste. So medium roasts are perfect. But the I the crazy part is, and it says on the bag hints of strawberry, and I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> and I smelled it. And I'm like, what did they do to this coffee? It's unbelievable. It's so good. Oh, it's crazy, man. And then. Uh... Because, yeah, so this one that we've got, there is, and it's one of those things, too, that I also had to train myself, like, I don't have to drink the coffee while it's still hot enough that it's going to, like, scald me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. as the coffee starts to cool, some of those subtler flavors come in a little bit clearer. Yeah. Now, I'm still drinking it while it's hot, but then there's this, like, progression as I'm drinking the cup of coffee where by the end of it, yeah, those strawberry notes are showing up. Yeah. The first time, uh, so like when Brandon and I were getting started, actually before we were getting started, he took me to this coffee tasting thing done by uh, Press. Uh-huh. And it was really cool, a cupping event. And again, like I had started to drink, like I liked coffee, but I didn't really know anything about the spectrum. And they brought out this ethiopian one and they're like you're not going to believe us when we tell you this is just the coffee you're drinking Hmm. so like they grind it in front of you put it in the cup and go through the whole process and it's like it tasted juicy like it was like legitimately almost like a blueberry flavor wow it was like so 
the beans themselves and the way they're grown and the way they're processed and washed and all of this kind of stuff, like what we think of as coffee flavor is such a small portion of like what's out there for it. And so yeah. that's been the really cool part is now we've got the gear where Brandon has been able to really up his roasting game and everything. You know, when we first started, he was using a popcorn popper. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. to, like, roast his beans, you know, and it, it still worked, and he still got it medium roast instead of dark roast. Wow, so there were still awesome. good flavors there. But like being able to use a roaster that actually gives him feedback and lets him know what's going on as uh-huh. the process is happening, and now he is able to. He can take on some of these more complex uh, flavor profiles and still be able to bring them out, which has been really cool to watch him go all mad scientist on it over there. <laughs> uh, it's like, well, if I turn up the heat a little bit at the early phase, then this will happen. But then I got to cool it at this point here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude, that's awesome. You go, Frankenstein. You yeah. have fun with this. Like, this is... You just tell me when I need to taste it. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you let me keep tasting the results and we'll be tracking. Dude, that's awesome. So I don't know. I, I really don't know about this. Do you guys sell your coffee beans online or anywhere? We do, actually. Yeah. So we um, we've got a few different. Uh, beans. They're all medium roast. There are a couple that we recommend for hot coffee drinking. Okay. And then there are others that we do for like people who are doing cold brew and stuff. Mm-hmm. And really the big difference with the cold brew is it won't have a lot of those uh, subtler flavors like the fruit finish and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, when you're doing cold brew, it's so much more concentrated. There's so much oh, more yeah. caffeine. You're going to have to cut it with something. Mm-hmm. And when you do a lot of times you're either going to be using something flavored or you're just going to be kind of cutting through some of those other flavors in the coffee. So it's a much stronger, just that like Baker's base that we go for in the uh, cold brew coffee in general. Mm -hmm. But we are very, we're very strict on ourselves with the idea of we don't want to sell a cold brew coffee that we don't enjoy when it's hot. Like it's not going to necessarily have, because you can, with cold brew, because you are counting on the fact people are going to be adding a bunch of stuff to it, you could go a lot cheaper and you could get like older beans uh, and you roast them darker and then everything will be fine. It'll still taste like coffee and it'll get the job done. Mm-hmm. We're like, ah, no, we're, especially when we're selling the whole bean stuff. It's like just because we recommend it's for cold brew doesn't mean that's how they're going to use it. And we want everyone who drinks our coffee to have a good coffee experience with it. Uh, anything they do to it afterwards, hey, that's up to them, man. Everyone sure. likes their coffee a little bit different. Go to town. But like, we want to make sure we're starting them off at a good spot. And then we also do sell bottles of uh, cold brew concentrate. Oh, really? And I didn't know a, that. And, and when we say concentrate, like, I remember my dad, you know, very supportive father, both in the business and just in life in general and everything. But he was like, oh, you know what? No, this stuff tastes good. I'll just, I'll just drink the coffee. You're going to want to like at least cut it with some water or something, yeah. it, but it's cold brew is way more caffeinated anyway. And this stuff, so it like comes in a, uh, like a liter bottle basically, but it should, you should be doing about half coffee okay, and half at something else when you're drinking it. But it's like, no, no, it'll be fine. And sure enough, as we're hanging out a little while later, he's like, that was really good. But, uh, you know, I got, I got this going on now and uh, <laughs> I couldn't keep his hand steady. It, there's a lot of caffeine in there. Yeah. Um, we do that. That's a little bit harder, uh, when we don't have like a, a shop that you can come and meet us at because okay. shipping glass bottles is really difficult. Oh but yeah. Yeah. We, sure. do, we can't actually like ship out or deliver the, uh, the bags of coffee to people at our website, uh, inkledew.com. Okay. Wait for it to be spelt somewhere. Wait, wait till you see it in writing. Uh, yeah, I'll put it and I'll put it in the show notes of everything we do, so people can just I click on the that. link and get to it. Sure. It's one of those things. We picked a name that was like really nerdy and that we thought was really funny, but we also knew going in that would mean we're going to need to be able to spell this for people a lot. Sure. Because you don't hear Inkledoo and think there's an X in there anywhere. 
No, yeah, exactly. Well, explain to us a little bit, like, because, uh, you know, you, you guys were following us on uh, social and we were following you for a long time before we ever talked. And I always thought, Tyler and I were talking about this, uh, we yeah. always thought it was Ink Ledoux. Like, that was the mix. Yeah, that's, we were, how, that's how I read was it. Was this yeah. a tattoo parlor? We didn't know what it was at first, you know? So explain to us the well, name so, and what yeah. it means. Absolutely. That's actually really cool. Uh, if we ever do a spinoff business, if we get in touch with someone who's like really into like tattoo art, then yeah, we'll, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I like that. But uh, no, so we were going with uh, Brandon and I are both avid readers. And for him specifically, um, he grew up like Christian tangentially. But then it was really in like middle school and high school he really got into his faith. Mm. Uh, and C.S. Lewis played a big role in that for him. Okay. Like mere Christianity was a door opener for him mm. in a lot of ways. Um, and I've always been pretty active in my faith. Uh, and C.S. Lewis was required reading for me in high school that like I loved. One of those books where, again, in mere Christianity, we were supposed to read like a couple chapters. And I ended up reading the whole book. Nice. Uh, uh, and then I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. All right, uh, good. Directly above my head here is a map of Middle Earth uh, <laughs> up on my wall. That's awesome. Uh, like, I love it. But so, you know, Lewis and Tolkien were part of this group called the Inklings. Mm. Uh, and they would get together at a pub, basically, and they would share their unfinished works. And that's what really pulled us in because – so often we feel this pressure to only put ourselves out there, only make ourselves known once we've got everything lined up and perfect. Mm -hmm. We're so afraid of judgment from other people that we want to make sure there's nothing to judge before we put it out there. But the reality is we'll never be there. Yeah. Like we're always going to be this work in progress. And so that idea of having a communal element gathered sharing our progress sharing where we're at mm. and helping each other on the journey and holding each other accountable yeah. like lewis and tolkien i love it they did not always get along mm. it, they took a lot of shots at each other yeah. uh, over their writing styles and differences and things like that and that's fine we need that we need that uh we need to keep that open ear to people who are going to challenge us because it's through the challenge that we improve and get where we're trying to go. Yeah. And sometimes a lot further than we ever thought we would. Dude, that's fascinating. Well, and, and another thing that it requires is just trusting each other, right? N knowing, Hey, you care about me. You're not just trying to be a jerk. Yeah. And you're not just trying to scrutinize me because you're right. We, we want to, we all want to live these Instagrammable lives, right? These polished, everything's perfect life. Yep. And, um, and we're and it really comes down to being afraid of what people think about us. Um, but if you have friends or you have people in your family who love you and and you can do that with, it just grows intimacy. It grows relationship, and it actually helps you mature mm. into who God's designed you to be. Exactly. I mean, at the, it's kind of one of those things. So again, I'm a, a teacher in my day job, and I teach junior high kids. And God bless you. <laughs> I, I teach at a Catholic school, and so like I'm able to bring faith into the classroom, which is great. That's awesome. Uh, but like, my students are so tired. I know they're tired of hearing me say it, and I'll stop when they don't need to hear it anymore. But like, Jesus needed help carrying his cross. Mm -hmm. God Himself sought help from others. Mm. Now, the word "need" is probably a little bit tricky there, but like, in His humanity, carrying that cross. Simon of Cyrene comes and helps him carry it. Yeah. Who are you kidding, thinking that you're going to get there on your own? <laughs> yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Like, God accepted help. You trying to fly solo, that's, I mean, in all love and charity, that's stupid. Yes. No, it is. <laughs> like, it really is, man. And I think, like, I see this a lot of times. There's, like, these Lone Ranger Christians out there who think that, no, I could just do it all myself and me and God. And it's like, no, like, he didn't ma – he made us for community. The Trinity is community. And we need to accept that idea. Absolutely. I mean, again, when we talk about that idea of we are made in the image and likeness of God, we need to recognize we are made in the image and likeness of Three persons, one God. Yep. That it's communal. There has to be this openness to the gift of others and this 
givenness of ourselves to others as well in order for us to like, yes, I am created in the image and likeness of God, but also we are created in the image and likeness of God. Yep. And it's got to be both of those things. No, you're right. And there's this horrific tendency to pick one or the other. Hmm. Like some people are like, oh, no, no, you know, it's, it's all about, and you can get into some of the like utilitarian, if it's for the greater good, we can sacrifice whatever we have to. Mm-hmm. Or you can get into that totally like, I, I need no one else. Just let me walk through life holding on to my Bible and I'll be good. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you won't. No. You, you won't be good. No, you won't. And I've seen people, you know, because I'm a pastor at a church, and I see people flame out. Like, they have they have all good intentions, and they love Jesus, mm-hmm. but they just get, you know, burnt out about something within the church or burnt out with a group that they were, you know, a communal part of. And so they abandon uh, community yeah. because of hurt or because of bad attitudes or whatever. And then they have good intentions to love Jesus, but, like, I don't think people realize it's the hey, you working out problems with these messed up people and them getting to work out problems with you as a messed up person is actually part <laughs> of becoming more like Jesus and communal yes. living. Yeah. Jesus picked Judas for one of his 12. Yep. You can deal with the people in your church group. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Un- until they're trying to sell you out to your death, yep. you really don't have <laughs> yeah, right. grounds to say, no, you know what? This is what I'm doing. Yeah, that's so <laughs> true, man. Like, and I think, so one of my favorite authors is G.K. Chesterton. And oh, yeah. yeah. It's in part because he, he writes with sarcasm, mm-hmm. which, like, speaks to me in the core of my being. Uh, <laughs> but, like, he also, he always... He always emphasizes this idea of the reason why Christ told us to love our neighbors uh, and love our enemies is because they're often the same person. Mm. Like, the people who are around us, if you're going to spend enough time with someone, like, again, we're all, like you said, we're all broken and we're all messed up, which means if we're talking long enough, at one point, I'm going to do something broken and messed up to you. Sure. Yeah. And you're going to do something broken and messed up to me. Yeah. And like if we're actually part of God's family, if we're trying to live out what Christ said about may they be one father as you and I are one, mm-hmm. then we have to accept that those things happen and it doesn't have to be the end. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it can be. Like I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to tell anyone that no matter how mentally, emotionally, psychologically, physically abusive a person is, you got to stay with them. Yeah, of course. I'm not, not. saying that. Yeah, of course yeah. not. That that again, but like a lot of times, the 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 family is the school of love, mm-hmm. and the reason why families worked, and in the cases where they still work today, the reason why they still work is because people know the love is bigger. Mm. The the brokenness and the cracks and all of these things that come out, okay, yeah, that's going to be something that happens. Mm -hmm. Families hurt each other. Yes. There's no way around it. But you know that you're there to see each other through it, whatever the hurt is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And unfortunately, for so many people, they don't have that foundational experience of that safety net. Yeah. At home, which makes it a lot harder to build that safety net with others, with mm. friends who you go through struggles with. Yeah. My closest friendships are with people who, like, really, we had every right to get mad enough at one another that we weren't going to be friends anymore. Yeah. But when you come through that, <clears throat> you're just so much stronger and you have this confidence that you were talking about earlier, that trust and that confidence in them. It's like, you know what? No. If he's saying something that hurts me right now, he's saying it because he genuinely believes I need to hear it. Yep. And I know that because if he didn't care about me, he would have left back when this happened. Yes. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You know, like he would have peaced out. He had every opportunity. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I think about like I have a my friend Greg, I've known him since I was 5, and we hang out every week still and we talk about life and about the Lord and it's awesome. But in high school, 
Uh, there was one time where we were at this youth group event at a different church than, than I went to, and he wasn't a believer back then. But he went because he was dating this girl, and uh, and she was just, oh my gosh, like beautiful. You do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. And so we're there, and uh, we were supposed to drive back home because we had a group of friends playing basketball, and we set it up like, hey, let's get together and play ball. And so we're at this group, and he doesn't want to leave because there's this hot girl there that he likes. But I'm I'm his ride, so I'm with my car, and it's like a 20 minute drive. And I'm like, hey man, we gotta go. Like all of our friends are gonna be waiting for us. We have the ball, and I need to get there. And he's like, oh, five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes. And eventually, it's like I'm supposed to be there in two minutes. It's a 20 minute drive. I was getting so angry at him. And then he's like, you know what? I'm gonna stay here. You just go ahead. And I was like, why didn't you tell me that an hour ago? Like I was so upset. So I stormed off. And then he remembers he had he had the ball like with him uh, with his stuff. So he comes out to the car as I'm pulling out, and he has the ball, and he stood in the road, and I was driving my car, and I thought I'm not stopping, <laughs> and I just I bumped him, <laughs> and he was mad. He threw the ball at my windshield, and then and then we worked it out. But there's instances, yeah, where I was pretty ugly to people. I mean, I, like, I didn't plow him over at, like, 40 miles an hour. Right? But I, no, no, yeah. I hit him. But, yeah, but, man, like, knowing he knows that about me, and I know he actually cares about me to put up with my crap for all these years, and me putting up with yeah. his stuff, um, it's important to right. not just yeah. disassociate after yeah. weird times like that. So, yeah, I agree. Because you will. You'll end up totally alone. Yep. And then what do you do when you betray yourself? Because <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, it is. Like, there's, I can't get away from me. Every problem I have is a problem I brought in. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't get away from that relationship. Yep. You know what right. I mean? Like, and so this idea that if having a one strike policy on your, on your interactions with people, uh, and again, there's also that awareness of, our own brokenness that we bring into it. Mm -hmm. It was a real eye opener for me when I realized that the stuff that drives me nuts about people most of the time is the stuff that drives me nuts about myself and I'm projecting it on them. They're reminding me of the mistakes I make and of the struggles that I have. Hmm. And like, and I, I've spent, so I, that was probably about like, 13 years ago now that someone like made that point and it really resonated with me. And as I was keeping track, I was like, Oh, Nope, absolutely. And so I've been making a conscious effort on that. And it is, it's like, even when it's something unrelated, like it's their complete otherness to me that is driving me nuts this time. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, just keeping in mind that same perspective of how crazy am I making them right now? (laughs) Sure. Like, we're sure. both bringing something into this. And so remembering that patience and that I, I want them to treat me with mercy and charity. Yes. I, I had better do the same. Yeah. I've got, in fact, I have to do the same, especially when they don't. Yeah. Especially when they don't. Well, don't you think that that's a big – I mean this is an issue culturally right now. Everybody wants – everyone else to always be perfect and 20 years ago you better not have said something that i disagree with now and there's video footage of it because mercy grace and forgiveness don't exist in our culture anymore it's everything is a competition now Mm -hmm. including being the first person to like call out someone else's bs yeah Mm. like i remember it blew my mind uh I'm, I'm a huge football fan and sports fan in general. And a couple of years ago, when the, the Bills drafted Josh Allen, yeah, the, the quarterback, and like the day of the draft, the day of the draft, someone goes back and is finding like from seven, eight years before tweets that he sent that had the N-word in them. When he was like a little kid? And it's like, okay. Yeah, right. Well, so he was like, like yeah, he's in high school. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. so not quite like not not quite like a super little kid. Probably one of the one of those things where like realistically, ah, Josh, you should have known better. Yeah. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 But like, and then the idea that he's having to go out the day he's drafted, and have to go out and like his first comments at a press conference have to be about him apologizing for the indiscretions of his youth. I'm like, yeah. thank God. No one is trying to track down 
all of the things that I said and did in my <laughs> yeah, stupid right. Yeah. yeah. Thank God social media didn't like, exist when I was in junior high. Exactly. Exactly. Like I didn't have a cell phone until I was 16. And yeah. even then it was yeah. one of those like Nokia bricks. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I could play snake on it and that was it. Yep. That's all the trouble like, you could get in. But yeah, like thank goodness. And for the people who are people who would be so defensive if you called them out on anything they were doing, that's, that's the thing is there's this brittle hypocrisy baked into so much of our culture at this point Yep. where it's like in this whole concept of cancel culture. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, don't don't get me wrong. There should be accountability. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But like, again, Hey, you made a mistake. Do you recognize it was a mistake? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, that was terrible. I'm super embarrassed that I did that. Yeah. I haven't done anything like that in years. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah, that Can doesn't exist in our culture. No. Can you, like, tell other people? Who <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wish that would be around more. It's, it is crazy. Even with the political stuff, you know, like, I, both sides do it. But it's like, it, this is video footage from the 80s. And you're trying to act like Joe Biden still believes that or Donald Trump still believes that. Like, you don't think they've grown as human beings at all, like, at all in 30 years? Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. The idea that a politician flip-flopping is automatically a negative thing. Yeah. Instantly sets me off. Like, are you kidding <laughs> Hey, you know what information Donald Trump didn't have when he was running for president? Sure. The full briefings from all the intelligence agencies that he's now (laughs) using to make his decisions. Exactly. Yep. So, and like that was the same thing when like Obama was president. Oh, he said he was going to do this and he hasn't done that. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes more information comes forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this idea that like... We want our public figures. It is genuinely idolatry, and we yes. want them to be statues. Yes. We want them to be unchanging, exactly yeah. the way they are in this role or in this band or in this piece they wrote. Whatever it is, we want to freeze that and make that their statue and ask them to stay there. Yep. It's like, but they're humans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, there's no perfect human. The, the idea too is I want you to always stand firm and have have had it all together for your whole existence and never waver. Yeah. And the only person that's like that's Jesus. He's he's mm-hmm. the only one well, that's, that's that's real. Yeah, and well, not just that, but uh, everybody is quick to ask that of celebrities and everyone else until it gets flipped around on you, and that you're the one who's asked, "Hey, you need to fit this perfect image." <laughs> like, yeah. you can't you can't ever change. You have to be mm-hmm. exactly that way, and that, that's where the real problem is. It's hypocrisy. Yep. Yes, it is, and it, yeah. it's so selective too, because it's yeah. like. And it's not even just selective about who we targeted on, but the aspects of them. Mm-hmm. Like, we pick this one trait of theirs, and we want to, like, uh, make that all that they are and all that they've ever been. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, that's an aspect of who they are. Sure, yeah. That, that's one of their beliefs. That's one of their beliefs. That's yes. not all of them. Yes. And, like, there's this whole, this weird sense of betrayal that people feel when they find out that someone who they agree with about one thing disagrees with them about something else. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Like, no, you're supposed to be on my side. Yeah. Well, then come on over. Yeah, that's right. Nobody agrees 100% with anyone on on everything. We just don't. And thank God, how boring would that be? Oh, it'd be awful. That's called a cult is what that's called. It's called a cult. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, whose turn is it to think this week? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who gets to make our decisions this time? Yep. Well, hey, so so in a culture that's like ours, where everything's supposed to fit into a certain mold and be static and never change, never waver, never forgive people for things they've done, how do we go about being authentic and vulnerable? That's where it gets scary. How do we bring ourselves to a place of vulnerability so we can develop a friendship where people like Lewis and Tolkien could call Mm -hmm. each other out on stuff and really sharpen each other? How do we go about doing that? Well, so, I mean, again, a lot of it goes back to that idea of family and family-adjacent communities, okay. you know? Uh, and when I say family-adjacent, I don't mean, like, the neighbors you grew up with necessarily, but uh, other groups that kind of 
follow that family model. Mm. You know, there has to be a place where I know the the term, you know, safe space has been used and abused for a million different things, but sure. there is a reality to it. We do need to have that. Yeah. There needs to be the place where, you know, this group of friends who you can get together with and be like, you know what? It's Saturday and this week has kicked my butt. Mm-hmm. My prayer life was dead and an empty wasteland. Like I barely prayed. It was my fault. Or, you know what? I spent hours in prayer and I just didn't feel like God was speaking to me and like my frustration started to build. Yeah. <clears throat> let me tell you about my boss or let me tell you about my coworker or whatever it is. We need to have that place where we can say those things because they are real. Yes. And it's not a matter of like, they're not punishments. They're not evidence that we've done something wrong. It's sure. something we're dealing with. And getting that extra perspective is so helpful. Hmm. Like someone else who can be like, yeah, or even even if their perspective isn't that different. Like when I'm going through a really dry period in prayer where it's like, you know, man, it feels like I'm I'm doing all the talking. And I know God is trying to tell me something, but I'm not picking it up. And I know that the solution is persistence. Mm. Like I have to stay with it. And when the time is right, I'll understand and I'll know. But telling myself that is not convincing. Hearing it from someone else, very convincing. And so it's about building up those relationships. But the hard part is, like you said, you can't build those relationships without being vulnerable. You don't want to be vulnerable until you've got those relationships. So it can (laughs) be this big catch 22 running around in circles and so we have to we have to walk out on faith a little bit. Like, you know, not blindly. Like I'm not just gonna walk sure. out to some rando on the street and be like, hey man, can I talk to you about what I feel like <laughs> Jesus is calling me to do in my life right sure. now? Yeah, yeah. Like, but at the same time, if I'm around someone who I don't know super well yet, but I know kind of who th- this group who I know them through and all of that. Like there does come a time where you just have to kind of take that risk and you put something out there and you see how they respond. Mm -hmm. And we've got to be okay with being hurt. We have to be okay with it hurting when we get rejected and it's going to happen. Um, And not defining our worth in it. You know, you were talking earlier about people who get burned out on a particular community and then they give up on community in general. Yeah. It's that same risk. Like, yeah, you know what? This community wasn't perfect. You know what my first clue should have been? They let me in. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah. Can, you, can, I, can I tell some people at church uh, this? Because that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah. true, right? No, like, it's true. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's one of those, like, pearls of wisdom that, like, I remember there was a, a bishop, an old retired bishop from India who was, like, staying at the, the church that my family and I went to. And... He was the one who who said that in a homily one day. He was talking about people who are looking for a perfect church. If you find one, by all means, you have my blessing, go and join it. But just remember, the moment you do, it is no longer a perfect church. <laughs> yep, that's so true. And like I'm, I'm like six, seven years old, and like that line is just burned in my brain. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like this group wasn't perfect. But you know what? The the other thing, too, is that we need to understand that some communities are forever and some communities are for a season. Yes. Mm. And like, so if I, I'm 36 years old, if I were still trying to hang out at like a high school youth group. Yeah. That would be creepy. Yeah. You can't I do that. I escorted yeah. off campus. <laughs> yep. No. That's right. Like that doesn't change the fact that my time in the high school youth group was amazing. But it was amazing for that season. And I had some great friends in that youth group, some of whom I'm still close with. Yeah. And some of whom were exactly who God knew I needed in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. And I hope that for some of them, I was exactly who God knew they needed in their life at that time. Yeah. Mm. And like, again, just like the individual grows and changes, so will our communities and so will the people who we're connected with. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, I, I remember the first time I brutally realized that, because uh, I grew up in a small town, and so, like, not a lot changed. Like, it's the same kids 
all growing up. So I moved down here to go to college, and uh, I got some really good friends when I was like a freshman and sophomore, and they were all a couple years older than me. And then all of a sudden, these dudes are all leaving me. Like they're all abandoning me because they graduated college and they got to get to real life. And I remember lame excuse. Yeah, what an excuse. Can you imagine those dirt bags? But that's what I thought, and I was like, what am I so upset about? Like, because I really was like, why are you breaking up the band kind of thing, right? Yeah. And I thought about it, and, and God, God just hit me with this idea. And he said, listen, I casually bring really great people into your life, and I just as casually take them out of your life. And that's it. And you got to deal with it, and you got to be yep. thankful for the time that you have, but you also got to know there's going to be other people, and I'm going to bring you into people's life and you out – I don't think a lot of people realize that because it's not the ideal, it's not the easy, you know, the compartment to put everything into. Yeah. We we used we used to talk about the idea that and I think some people still talk about this idea that like uh especially when you're dealing with junior high and high school kids, the biggest struggle is getting them to realize that what they're dealing with now is not going to be forever. Yeah. And I think the problem is that we've said that to a lot of people, but not very many have believed it. And they've continued <laughs> it on into adulthood. That's true. You know, cause like, so I've got some really good friends. I, I'm single. Mm -hmm. They're married and have kids. Does that mean we're not friends? No, absolutely not. We still get together, but I'm not going to take it personally when they don't invite me over for like the four year old birthday party with all of their other friends who have their four year olds. And stuff. Okay. But no, that's sure. That's an appropriate place. And similarly, like, we just need to understand that the friendship is a blessing as long as it's there. Yes. You know, uh, that, that, that line from Job, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> Blessed be the Lord. Like, I didn't do any, there was nothing that I did that made me worthy of the incredible friendships that I've had. Which also means there's not necessarily anything I did that made me a scumbag unworthy of their friendship when sure. those friendships fell apart. Yeah. It's part of life. Yeah. It, we change. We, we go in different directions. And that love for these other groups, you know, going back to that example of the high school group, like, do I still love and support high school ministry wherever I can? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm not in it. Yeah. <laughs> like... When I go to church, like, I, we need to acknowledge where we're at and find that community that's there. Yes. You know, high, high schoolers, with all due respect to my current students, there's only so much they can offer me in terms of building me up. No, it's true. Yeah, exactly. In, intentionally. Yep. There's all kinds of lessons that I learned from dealing with them where I think I've got something figured <laughs> out and then they ask a question and I'm just like, well, all right, <laughs> let's go back to square one. Yep. But, like in terms of that, uh, a, a friendship and a relationship is supposed to be give and take. And that's what I tell the kids all the time. Like, I'm your teacher. I love you, but we're not friends. Yep. We yeah. can be friendly, but we can't be friends. Because there is no real room for that kind of consistent, equal give and take. Yep. Well, and see, and that gets into, and, you know, biblically, Paul talks about, well, we see mm -hmm. Paul exemplify this, right? Like, follow me as I follow Christ. So there's got to be guys that we're looking up to, like, okay, that, he, he's not my friend, he's a mentor. But then we also have to have our Timothys yep. that we're all pouring into as the mentor, and that's what you're doing with your kids at school. Mm. But then we also have exactly. to have a Barnabas who's right next to us. We, we have to have the guy who's doing life with us who's our friend. Uh, that's huge yep. for Christian maturity and development. Oh, undoubtedly. And as is so often the case, like anytime we say it's huge for Christian development, what we mean is human development. Yes. Yep. Like human beings need this. Yep. If there's someone who is like doubtful of the faith, okay, hopefully they'll come around. But like nevertheless, look at anyone – in history who has done anything noteworthy mm -hmm. and important and impactful, even on the really small scales, they learn from someone. Where does someone learn to be a great father? Hmm. From a father. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. ideally from their father, but not always. Like yeah. sometimes it's other father figures, other people who step in 
to that role mm-hmm. and take it up. And that's where you, uh, and so we do, we need that mentor relationship. Uh, the other thing I look at too, with the biblical focus is look at how Jesus built his disciples. So he calls them together and the word disciple literally just meaning student. That's where you start off. Mm-hmm. You're sitting at the feet of the master and you're learning. Yeah. And then there comes a time where he sends the disciples out, but he doesn't send them out by themselves because that would be a horrible mistake. And fortunately, <laughs> yeah. Jesus doesn't make those. Yep. Uh, so he sends them out two by two. Because like you said, you need someone in that journey with you. Mm-hmm. You need someone there to be your support because the world is going to kick our teeth in. Yes. It's going to do that. And we need to have that ally there with us. And then eventually they come back and then you end up with the 12, these apostles who are the ones who are sent out. And like, there's this whole development process to it. And we need to be aware of kind of where we're at in that as well. Mm. Uh, And it's totally possible to be all three at the same time, no doubt about it. But like, depending on what it is you're looking to do. So for example, if someone is uh, a brand new believer, they've just come into the faith and they're on fire with that zeal, that Mm -hmm. beautiful passion that they have, in their newfound love of Christ, that's awesome. But you might not be ready to be sent yet. Sure. Like you've got this passion. You still need some time to like learn yes. some of how to direct this, uh, proper ways to use this, mm-hmm. uh, this passion. You need people who are walking it with you. Yes. So that when you are going out, it's not like, you know, you're not going out to the street corner by yourself with a bullhorn and just hollering at people driving by. <laughs> sure. You know? No matter how good the place your heart is in when you're attempting that. Yep. It's rarely the right move. Rarely I'm not going to say right no move. one's That's ever true. had their mind changed by that, but I feel pretty confident it's the vast minority. Yes, I agree with you. And then eventually <laughs> the time comes where it's like, hey, you know what? Awesome. You are so solid now. Your Your faith is... Your faith has survived your passion for your faith. Mm. Like, because sometimes that it, it is, it's those ups and downs, those hills and valleys. Yeah. And like, hey, you are staying strong in your faith, even in the valley. Mm. That's beautiful. Now, now you're probably more ready to start mentoring somebody else. Yep, that's right. And like, start helping them out. Um, because that's the other thing is like, so often in a, I don't mean to keep coming back and harping on our culture, but like everything is a passion project. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why we as a society have ADHD, Mm. you know, we can't focus on anything for very long because we can only pay attention as long as our passions there. Yeah. And so that, uh, the sower and the seeds, it's growing, shooting up real quick, but it was in rocky soil. The roots weren't deep, Mm -hmm. got scorched in the sun. Yep. And so like helping people to do, realizing where we're at and again, having that mentor who can tell us, yes. you know, like as Paul followed Christ or really at, like Paul and Peter even, mm-hmm. you know, who are peers, but at the same time, peers who made no qualms about the fact that they would butt heads and they would call each other out on stuff. Yep. And we need that. Like, yes. Hey, I, I know you're really excited about this, but yeah, Thanksgiving dinner, probably not the best time to tell all your family that you've found Jesus now and they're going to hell. Like that's not, that's not a good way to handle this. Yeah, no, not a good way. Yep. No, that's so true, man. Yeah. Yeah, So it's about having the, the roles of friendship, mentor, mentee, but also knowing when it's appropriate to take up the mantle of the mentor role. Uh, especially like, yeah, that's yeah. vital. And unfortunately, most people think that they're great mentors uh, when they probably shouldn't be. No, yeah. <laughs> that's always what freaks me out. You know what? Honestly, one of the, the cool things that I've noticed is that it seems like uh, a good way to find out whether someone who you're considering picking for a mentor or not, a good way to kind of like just double check and confirm whether there's someone you want to follow or not is ask them how they would feel about being a mentor. Mm. And if they are just instantly super eager and excited for it, okay, probably pump the brakes a little bit. Yes. Because you want to be mentored by someone who realizes, again, they're still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what, man? I, it, if the, 
the people who've been great mentors for me, their, their response has normally been some version of, you know what, man, I, I'll help you out however I can. But like, I'm really, I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with the idea of like, you just following my example. Like, yeah, yeah we can talk things through, <laughs> but it's like, oh, okay, good. So you realize that my goal in working with you isn't to end up where you are. Mm -hmm. My goal is to end up closer to God. Yes. And you know that you're not the fixed point that I'm aiming at. That's awesome. And so I think like, you're right though. It is, it's one of those weird things. Uh, It's like any of the social media conversations too. The people who are the most sure are probably the people who have the least right to be. (laughs) Yeah, true. You know, like the, so many uh, scholars throughout history have talked about the fact that the more they learned, the, real, the more they realized they still had to learn. Yes. And, like, I, I keep that in mind. Like, yep. anyone who's talking like they've got it all figured out, probably not. Yeah, they're probably um, a freshman in college. <laughs> exactly. They've had, their, they've had their intro level class. Yep. And their teacher speaking in his Sermon on the Mount yep. uh, as unfolded for them this bountiful knowledge and they've come here to share it with us now yeah it's funny to think about that like the most confident i've ever felt about how much i knew was when i was like 18 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and since then it's been a downhill trajectory on how confident i am in all my vast knowledge right right before you had that second class that contradicted all of the things you learned in the first one yeah i should have quit like oh yeah right oh yeah exactly (laughs) exactly i was so much more at peace and calm (laughs) With my knowledge. Yep. Being lazy felt way less guilty back then. It yeah, was weird. I was so sure. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's fascinating. Well, hey, man, this has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's been cool getting to know you and talk to you about, man, what you do and your passion for good friendships, your passion for discipleship, your passion of having people spur you on in the faith to follow after Jesus. If uh, people want to follow what you're doing, what Brandon's doing with Inkle Do, how can they do that? Where do they go? What, what should they access? Absolutely. So uh, everything for us kind of can be found on our website, which is inkledu.com, and that's I-N-K-L-E-D-E-U-X.com. Our social media is all at Inkledu. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, We also have our personal accounts on Twitter if you want to, like, follow us individually too, but you can find them through the Inkledu okay. uh, links and stuff. It's probably the best way to do that. Um, and then hopefully before too much longer, you'll be able to find us out slinging coffee for people somewhere. Yeah, that'd be uh, awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like once, uh, once things calm down enough that people are allowed to like actually see each other again, <laughs> I would love to get together with you guys in person, have a conversation over a cup of coffee. A cup of coffee, yeah. <laughs> Almost made it. Over a cup of coffee yeah. and like and do that instead of over a computer screen. Yeah, I'd yeah. love that, man. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to get together sometime. That would be awesome. Um, and you guys live on the west side of Phoenix, and we live on the west side too, so we can definitely make that happen sometime, bro. Well, hey, thanks. looking forward to it, guys. Yeah, well, thanks so much for being with us today at Christ Culture and Coffee. And hey, if you're out there and you're a listener, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Please uh, follow us, rate us, review us, all the things on all the things. All the things. Yeah, all the things. (laughs) It really helps us with uh, reaching more people with apologetics and truth and great stories and great encouragement uh, like we had today with AJ. So thanks again for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.